Well, uh, Jordan says he just blew his speakers, Duke. On the there's two guy, two people, Jordan and Maddie C. My four-year-old daughter loves Dixieland Delight. Uh, great taste uh, on the gal. Uh, and Jordan says just blew my speakers. So they probably don't want me to talk right now. They just rather hear the song. I that imagine. song is the perfect embodiment of what we uh, like to do on Fridays, which is the Feel Good Friday yes. playlist. Friday, a song that puts you in a good mood. Heading into the weekend, and that's that song just like it warms you up inside. Yes, and be in a good mood. Exactly, and and not only on Fridays, try and be in a good mood every day, Duke. I think we are trying anyway. We try, we try. There's we certain try. things that get us a little fired up. You know, Jonas Brothers, <laughs> Taco in a bag, people leaving flyers on the windshield yes, of my truck. Yes. But for the most part, I think we like to keep it very positive here uh, from seven to eleven Monday through Friday. So speaking on that. Um, I guess this is positive for all involved in a sense that it's finally rectified after almost three weeks. The AJHL sent a statement out and all parties are moving forward. The AJHL sent a statement yesterday and just it says uh, the AJHL wants to thank 11 teams, core of their league, for their strong support as we continue to work through situation caused by uh, the mid-season announcement that five of our clubs have committed to play unsanctioned hockey in the BCHL. This is the AJHL statement. We were disappointed, but not surprised. Uh, I'm not going to go into total, uh, read the whole thing, but just talking about the AJHL has a strong future, grateful uh, for the support, yada, yada. And uh, the 11 core teams remain committed to fans, to communities, and to Alberta. For the first time, too, on the website and that was what's been so confusing the last, I guess, almost three weeks is the fact that all the games were still on the website. And then even the games between the five teams that have decided to leave and go play in the BCHL, which to our knowledge, all those five teams are still going to be playing each other in the next few weeks. Obviously, they are out of uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League and the playoff system. But when you looked at the website, all the games were still there. All the teams were in the standings. Now, when you look at the standings and you look at the teams and the logos on the website, the five teams are gone. So it's up to those five teams. And if they believe that this is better for them, then that's just fine. If they think that this is a, a way to improve their organizations, that's just fine as well. Um, but they didn't want to be a part of the AJHL. It's clear. Uh, again, now you see the standings, and White Court is atop the standings because four out of the five teams that were that have left the AJHL were atop the standings. So those four teams, or five teams, pardon me, will be uh, playing each other. Maybe they'll be moving on to play uh, a BCHL at the end of the regular season and uh, and a playoff format here but i would imagine those five teams they would set up something similar where and i have no clue because i've never talked to anybody from them and we'll try to get someone on from sure parker spruce grove i guess i would imagine the first place team that has the most points right now would get a buy the other four would uh would move on i guess and or, or figure it out top two whatever get a buy or one gets a buy and then Maybe there's a round robin or a play-in game and four or five play-in and figure it out. I don't know. So those those teams will play each other and then they'll play some sort of a playoff format. But uh, best of luck to all the teams and uh, 
Camrose Kodiaks right now sitting at uh, 40 points. They're only four points behind Canmore in the standings right now. So a uh, little bit of work to be done for the Camrose Kodiaks, and we'll be getting some uh, – We'll talk to coach and, uh, and GM out there and we'll get some guys on next week as the AJHL moves uh, forward. Duke, you mentioned uh, Oil Kings in action tonight. Calgary, Hitman in town. Hitman in town. And then I believe the Kings are uh, in Calgary on Sunday. Home and home. Home and home. Uh, they do this a lot with yeah. both Red Deer and Calgary, which I think is a really fun thing because obviously with the near proximity gives the fans a chance to get out for the weekend. I think maybe Edmonton fans prefer when uh, they're the home game on the Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and so then they can make the travel down on a Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and then come back uh, and you know dive into Rogers' place on a Sunday afternoon. But yeah. uh, a great one. I mean, Calgary's got a pretty good squad down there. A lot of central or central division action over the course of the weekend. Calgary's got one of the highest touted, if not I think the highest touted defenseman uh, in this upcoming draft, Carter Yakumchuk. Uh, good Ukrainian name there to uh, represent Alberta. So um, that's a if if anybody is taking in the game tonight. Maybe a name to keep an eye on out on the ice. I'm going to ask you this, and maybe Donovan can get on this. So last night I was doing, uh, looking, let's circle back to the AJHL. I'd go on, I went on the AJHL website, and I noticed that, yes, the teams have been taken off. But then when I go to Spruce Grove Saints website or Sherwood Park Crusaders website, it directs you to the AJHL website. So I don't know. We're going to talk a little NFL football when we come back. Jeffrey Chadia from NFL.com will uh, guess with us. He's been on the program before. Get his comments on what's shaking, I guess, this weekend. And then, yeah, Donovan, the intern, just said that uh, the fact that the Sherwood Park Crusaders website, when you go on that, it directs you to the AJHL website. Same with Spruce Grove Saints. Don't know. Uh, so, Jeff. Jeffrey Chidia will guess with us at 920. Scott Edwards, uh, Pandas basketball head coach and our St. Albert Dodge game of the day at 940. Special guest just lined up by uh, old slats, Brad Slater, uh, this morning. We talked about getting them on earlier in the week, but uh, didn't know if it would be possible. Larry Murphy, member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, 92-93 team that went 17 games straight. Uh, with a win. So we'll talk to uh, Larry Murphy at 10 o'clock and then Cody Jansen from the Saskatchewan Rush play-by-play team. You know they're, uh, what's going on? Is this why you lined up the Rush Duke? For- Rusher, Rusher back at home tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, but for- do, you know, do you know what's going on tomorrow night? No. You don't? Oh, I thought this is why I, you I lined did, it up. I, I just saw that they were they were back in action <laughs> back at home. So Oh, I thought this is why you... you, you uh, they got what? like a special event or something? Special event. Joey Chestnut's coming in. Oh, town. no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, $2 hot dog night. Oh, so my uh, weekend might include a road trip out to Stoon. <laughs> uh, well, you can take Laddie and take those little packages <laughs> that you're going to have to mustard oh, and ketchup on. No there. way out at... Uh, I bet they got the, the that like... <laughs> gallon-sized thing of ketchup with the pump on top. I bet that's what they got it going. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we come back, it will be uh, Jeffrey Chidia, NFL.com, and the Kevin Carey Show. Coming up right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Just before we get to Jeffrey Chidia from NFL.com, here's the Duke with the ski report. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Friday, February 2nd, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. Warm weather and rain are continuing to wreak havoc on ski resorts throughout Alberta and BC. Groomed runs likely still your best bet for skiing and snowboarding right now. Marmot received a trace amount of new snow overnight, and all lifts are open, including the new knob quad chair. Down at Sunshine Village, they've opened the Southside Chutes for the first time this season, but no new snow for the last 
last few days at Sunshine Louise or Norquay in Banff. Temporary run closures and delayed openings at Castle Mountain, Nikiska, and throughout BC with little to no new snow and warm weather really affecting the operations throughout the entirety of Western Canada. Locally, the second leg of the Triple Down Terrain Park Series is still a go this Sunday at Snow Valley. All local hills are still in full operation, but the terrain park conditions are variable and subject to delayed openings. Lack of snow in the Edmonton area has forced organizers to cancel the racing portion of the Burke Biner, which was scheduled for Saturday, February 10th. One of the biggest cross-country events in Canada, the Berkey is a highlight of cross-country season. Organizers are still hoping to do some of the family events associated with the race on Sunday, but check the website for the most current updates on the event. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, time now to talk a little NFL football with uh, Jeffrey Chidia from NFL.com. Uh, Jeffrey, welcome back to Sports 1440. You're with uh, Kevin Carius again. Uh, thanks for hopping on this morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, well, let's just get, first of all, this uh, Super Bowl game program that uh, you've been working on. It's already out, and you I just saw your kind of uh, the last post that you had on social media. Tell us all about what's going on with that. Well, they ask, every year they ask me to do a story for the program, and this year it's ironic because they wanted me to do a story on the Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns of the 1950s. <laughs> and those are two of the only teams – have not played in a Super Bowl along with Jacksonville and Houston. And so people don't realize how much, how dominant those teams were in that era. I think in that decade, they each won three championships and either played against each other or were playing for it every year of that decade. So it's all about what they were, what they meant to football and how big they were, even though they haven't played in football's biggest game since. Anything you uncover there that you maybe didn't know about those two great franchises? Well, just, you know, I knew about Paul Brown mm-hmm. and some of the things he'd done to really help shape the game of football, but I didn't realize that all the things that the Lions with Bobby Lane and, and their coaching staff, things they did mm-hmm. really to move football forward. Like, they were responsible for starting the two-minute offense. Uh, they were the first really hard-partying team. You know, think <laughs> about the 85 Bears being that, but the Lions – of the 50s, like took it to a whole different level when it came to partying. So that, that kind of stuff was really interesting to see and read about. And that's, I mean, one of the best nicknames in all of sports history, Bobby Night Train Lane. That's right. You know. well, that was Dick Night Train Lane. Actually, he was the cornerback. <laughs> Bobby was like, I don't even know if he had a nickname. Oh. He probably had a, 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 a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Dick was the cornerback. Okay. Bobby was the, yeah, he was, uh, here's a funny story. He yeah. actually got traded after they won a championship because his coach went to Pittsburgh and the Lions thought he was done and they never won a championship after that. Oh. The curse of Bobby Lane is what Detroit <laughs> calls it. <laughs> but, yeah, as you said, uh, there's a few teams in NFL history that like to get at her, I guess, and, and uh, that's that's where all the stories come from as we're uh, guesting with uh, Jeffrey Chidia from NFL.com. Before we get to kind of talking Super Bowl, what did you make of uh, all the coaching vacancies and all those vacancies not vacant anymore and uh, any surprises for you in all the moves that were made? Well, certainly if you had asked me if Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick wouldn't have jobs this coming season, mm-hmm. I would have laughed at that because they were two of uh, in my mind, along with Jim Harbaugh, two of the three best coaching candidates, the most experienced, uh, the most accomplished going into this coaching cycle. But it just speaks to how much the NFL is changing and how much, you know, being in the face of a franchise, connecting with players, you know, how much owners are willing to look beyond what you've done in the past and look at what you can do moving forward. And 
So, yeah, I think Oakwood surprises. You know, it's good to see these young coaches get going, but if you've met Sean McVay or Nick Sirianni or Mike McDaniel, some of these younger coaches, Matt LaFleur, a lot of lot to like about them. So I'm sure a lot more teams are saying, let's go find somebody like that. Is it kind of like uh, everyone calls us a copycat league and, you know, that's not just the NFL, it's everywhere. And it seems when you have success with certain individuals, that happens. Is that kind of one of the things that's a, a cyclical thing right now with the, the coaching movement? Definitely, definitely. I mean, you can't really, if you're an owner, you can't help but look at some of these younger guys, again, like a McVay, uh, Kevin O'Connell from Minnesota, I put in that category and say, you know, these guys, when they get into a room, they're very polished. They're very media savvy. They like communicating. They like um, selling the team. You know, being an NFL coach isn't just X's and O's anymore. It's really about, you know, uh, marketing and, and having something you can put on a billboard and, and, and connecting with these players. A lot of these players, you know, they, it's not like, it's not like it was five years ago. You know, a lot of these players come out of college now, they're, they're getting paid. They can transfer when they want to. And so to be a authoritarian type coach, a disciplinarian type coach like Belichick was, and Mabel had some of that in, in him as well, it's like it's not going to fly because they'll tune you out. you got to be able to meet them where they are and connect with them. And so I think that is what these younger guys bring to the table. Do you think these guys, not necessarily Belichick in my mind, but a guy like Vrabel, Next year, he would be, you know, number one on everyone's list for the first coach that gets fired for him to be the replacement? <laughs> I think so. And yeah. I, I'd be honest with you, I think that may have been part of maybe some of their planning. Like, you know, I'm sure all these coaches got phone calls from teams. But if you're a Bill Belichick, if you're a Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. you're looking for the best possible opportunity, uh, the best team to coach to win a championship. And, yeah, right now you look at what happened to Philadelphia – this past year, look what happened with Dallas this past year. Look at what happened to Buffalo, losing in the divisional round again. I would think that those coaches would love to get a hold of those teams, you know, with all they have to offer. Because if those teams aren't winning championships, they're going to start looking around and saying maybe Bill Belichick or Mike Brable can do it for yeah. us. Jeffrey Chidea, NFL.com, our guest on Kevin Carey's show on Sports 1440. Uh, again, one of your uh, recent articles on NFL.com. Really, I just love it. The five most important questions ahead of the Super Bowl. And I just love the first question in the sense of um, how you worded it. And I'll, I'll read the question and let you kind of let our listeners know what the answer is. It's so the question is, do the Chiefs need a huge game from Patrick Mahomes to win? Expand, Jeffrey. Yeah, I mean, if you really look at the way Mahomes has played in this postseason, he's really been more of a game manager than, a, you know, the dominant 400-yard, five-touchdown player he was a few seasons ago. And that's, I think that's by design, and it's, by, it's because of maturation. He's realized he's going to have to go out there and dominate the game with stats to win. He's got to make good decisions, move the chains, not take negative plays, sacks, interceptions, and they have a chance to win games. You know, he hasn't had a interception – in his last six postseason games. He hadn't had a sack, I think, until the Ravens got him once. That's had one sack in the last six postseason games. And even in his Super Bowl wins, he threw for 182 yards last year. He mm-hmm. threw for, I think, 280 uh, against the Niners four years ago. And so he's, he hasn't really taken over in the way you would expect, but I think he understands this team has great defense and that you can lose games if you don't take advantage of your strength. So I think he's playing – exceptional quarterbacking, exceptional quarterbacking right now. 
And I'm going to kind of go forward in your article, uh, Jeffrey, and say to question number five, will Travis Kelsey remind us once again that he has plenty (laughs) left in the tank? Yeah. Again, another player who you look at the last, the second half of the regular season, he had one touchdown catch in nine games. In the last three meaningful games they played before they, uh, you know, didn't play their starters against the Chargers, and he sat for that game. He had 88 yards receiving in those three games, mm-hmm. and so it felt as if he was looking like a 34-year-old tight end at the end of his end of his rope. And he's found the fountain of youth in these games. And I think some defenses have focused more on Rasheed Rice, their talented rookie receiver, and Isaiah Pacheco, their second-year running back, and said, so "We'll see if Travis can beat us," and, and he's beating them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. Um, you know, I think he still wants to go out and prove something. I'm sure having that, that girlfriend by his side then <laughs> hurt his motivation to go out there and show the world what he's about and capitalize on that financially that financially after the fact. So, But he's playing great football as well. Uh, Jeffrey, can you – while you brought it up, I mean, uh, can you believe where this is <laughs> This is kind of gone and where it started? Oh, and, and, I mean, it's still got lots of legs. This story has lots of legs to go. Oh yeah, that that bomb is going to drop on <laughs> next Sunday in uh, in Las Vegas of all places. And if they win that game, I can imagine the scene around that. I mean, look, CBS is happy. Yeah, I know that they they wanted this, and I'm sure they will move. They, they'll probably run a rocket ship to get her from Tokyo, where <laughs> she's doing a concert on Saturday to get her to Las Vegas on time for that game. Maybe the space shuttle will be moving her across the country. The CBS world, the, yeah, the CBS Concord is ready to roll. <laughs> Oh man, well, you're, you're right. exactly right. I think all indications are saying that she would, uh, she's going to be available to get there just with the time change and everything. So uh, there's so many prop bets going on, you can't even keep track of them. Uh, Jeffrey Ch- Chidia, my oldest space shuttle. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeffrey Jeffrey Ch- <laughs> Jeffrey Chidia, NFL.com's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Let's look at the Niners a little bit, and what do you make of? I mean, they were they could have been beaten by Green Bay. Could have been beaten by Detroit. Are they lucky to be here, or have they just found ways to win? I think they found ways to win. And in some ways, I know their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, is being this as a positive. Uh, and I think it's a positive for them to have some adversity, to be behind the eight ball, to ask your quarterback and your team to, to rally in the, both those moments, uh, both those games. I think it's huge for them in terms of having the confidence to play against Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs in this kind of a game. I, I think people, it's very easy to forget that throughout this entire season, they've been one of the top two or three teams in the NFL. And for the first five games of the season, they looked like they were going to ro- run away with the championship. So the talent is definitely there. It's really a matter of them executing. And, you know, I think in the AFC Championship game, I felt as if the Chiefs had the experience to win that game. They weren't the better team, mm-hmm. but that experience Trump with Baltimore is bringing to the table. The Niners have a similar experience level now. Like They've had guys who played in this game, guys who went through the pain of losing last year to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. So there's motivation there and there's talent. So I think finding ways to win in different ways is a big help to them. Did the Chiefs and their Chiefs defense take a little bit of what Baltimore's defense did uh, back in December when they just kind of steamrolled San Fran? I think they can. They play a little bit differently. And I think, you know, it's it's funny. Again, I think looking back, we sometimes forget that the, that the Niners actually were leading that game early and they had a safety of Lamar Jackson. They were harassing him. 
And so that game turned on some Brock Purdy interceptions, but three of those passes were just tip passes. And I think that's where if you're the Chiefs, you're certainly going to be part of your game plan is to try to knock balls down and get in his face. But I, I think they're going to have to be very cognizant of how do they stop Christian McCaffrey? Mm-hmm. Because one thing that surprised me with the Ravens game plan, which was maybe the dumbest game plan I've ever seen in a playoff game in my life, which was to take a team that had given up 180 yards rushing the year before and only have six rushing attempts against them by your running backs. I imagine the Niners are going to run Christian McCaffrey like crazy in this game, and the Chiefs are going to have to stop it. So I think this, this game, the trenches will decide a lot of what happens in this game. Your other comment in, in uh, your recent article on NFL.com and what you said basically uh, that you thought that the whole game probably comes down to this matchup, and these are your words, uh, Jeffrey. Can Kyle Shanahan outwit Andy Reid? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I do believe this yeah. has been maybe Andy Reid's finest moment as a coach in the postseason so far. A lot of people question what the Chiefs would do on the road in the playoffs, and he's really outcoached John Harbaugh and his staff. He outcoached Sean McDermott and his staff. You know, he, he outcoached the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel, those guys, but the weather was a big factor, what happened there, and the, the Miami Dolphins being beaten up. So he's really pulled out all the tricks. I've likened it to uh, when George Foreman fought Muhammad Ali and mm-hmm. people thought Muhammad Ali was done because he had that jelly roll around his stomach and, you know, <laughs> wasn't moving as fast, but he found a way to rope-a-dope his way to a title. And that's what it feels like the Chiefs are doing. The, the, the Niners are the better team. On paper, they have the better roster. They have the better record. They have, they've been more consistent throughout the course of the year. But the Chiefs have that experience, and they know how to win in these moments. And so that's the thing that Kyle Shanahan is going to have to figure out. You know, he uh, lost a tough game as a coordinator to Atlanta, when he was in Atlanta to the Patriots. Uh, lost a tough game to the, to the Chiefs. Both those games he had leads mm-hmm. to work with, and they couldn't get it done. So I think as much as, as good as Andy is, like Kyle Shanahan is pretty good too. The question is, can he finish? Well, maybe Roger Goodell should be selling seats on the uh, space shuttle to Tokyo and back. That could make some more bucks yeah. for this uh, <laughs> for this game. Uh, really appreciate yeah. your time, Jeffrey. Uh, thanks for this, and no uh, we got another whole another nine days to talk about this before we get rolling for kickoff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all coming now, right? Take care. I appreciate <laughs> Th- it. Thanks, Jeffrey. That's a Jeffrey Chidia from NFL dot com. Feels like we got another year before the Super Bowl kicks off, Duke. It's it's, it's so funny, Kevin. All week we've kind of been like twiddling our thumbs with uh, the Oilers on by and the NFL, uh, of course, kind of during mm-hmm. the Pro Bowl week and All Star weekend. And now here this morning, we've got about three different stories breaking at once yeah. uh, with uh, the Kings, the Olympics, and Sean Monahan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so just to uh, just to let everybody know, and you're probably kind of hearing this as as we're going. So. Pierre Lebrun, Chris Johnson, Frank Saravalli all reporting in addition to that Four Nations tournament uh, in 2025, the NHL and NHLPA will announce a return to the 2026 Olympics this afternoon. So best on best hockey is back there. As far as the Sean Monaghan deal goes, uh, Frank Saravalli reporting to Winnipeg, Sean Monaghan to Montreal, the 2024 first round draft pick and a conditional 2023, no salary retained in this trade. So, Lots of wheeling and dealing over the All-Star break in Toronto. When we come back, 
We'll get to some of your texts and things like that. And we will also check in with uh, Scott Edwards, Pandas basketball head coach in our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. And also at 10 o'clock, Larry Murphy from the 92-93 Pittsburgh Penguin squad that went 17 games without a loss. And the Oilers are trying to match that come Tuesday in Vegas. It's the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, all right. Welcome back to the big program. The hits keep coming hot and heavy here. Uh, just before the break, uh, the LA Kings announced that they fired head coach Todd McClellan, replaced him with assistant coach Jim Hiller on an interim basis. So that uh, announced, for, first of all, from LA Kings PR, maybe Sean May down there already working hard ex of the Oilers uh, down in LA now but uh, Kings fire Todd McClellan Jim Hiller now uh, the head coach in LA was not too long ago that GM Rob Blake gave Todd McClellan a vote of confidence and just uh, it's almost like instead of the vote of confidence it's the kiss of death because it seems to happen all the time when that happens a coach gets fired so McClellan well he got fired here in LA gets fired there but uh Kind of funny, we and I think a lot of our listeners know Todd McClellan and I have a, quite a long history together. We grew up in Melville, across the street from each other. Used to spend nights over at each other's houses and things like that. Our mom, my mom, taught Todd and I in grade one. And here's the other thing. So Jim Hiller and I were played junior hockey in Melville together in, I don't know, 1987. So Jimmy Hiller went from Melville, went off to play in... Uh, uh, Northern Michigan, and then gets drafted. He was in Detroit, L.A., and uh, now he's the head coach. Head coach of the L.A. Kings. So big moves coming at the All-Star break. Man, it's not – at least there's something happening at the All-Star break that people want to talk about. Uh, time now for our Game of the Day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a savings of up to 14000 as we welcome in Scott Edwards, uh, head coach of the Pandas basketball team. Scott, welcome back to Sports 1440. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. Just how would you describe how the Pandas season has gone to date so far? Uh, super hot start and a little little rough patch here the last couple of weeks. So it was, um, it's was. it been a good season overall. Just uh, I feel like our athletes at the moment are a little... A little frustrated with their performance the last few weeks, but we'll we'll sort it out. Yeah. So, as a coach, how do you sort that out after, as you said, a good start and then a little yeah. bit of a lull? Uh, what's uh, what? What does a coaching staff have to do have to do to get a team out of that patch? Well, from our perspective, it was about confidence, and so we've just tried to remind them of um, you know, show the video, talk to them about how good of players they are, talk to them about you know, what are our standards of, of how we treat each other and how we want to perform and just sort of stay on those track. And eventually good players start making plays. So it's not like it's a full long-term problem for them. It was just a little blip and, and they'll, they'll find a way. They're pretty tough kids. Scott Edwards with us uh, on Sports 1440, head coach of the Pandas basketball team. Scott, would the fact that, you know, everyone's kind of looking forward to Nationals coming up, hosting Nationals uh, about five weeks from now, does that have any bearing on, you know, a team's psyche and, and what the team is doing and what the team needs to do? Yeah, I would love to say it hasn't mattered, but it definitely <laughs> has. Uh, I, I think the excitement around it, the, you know, the the basketball community in Edmonton, and I know how they'll rally around this this team at Nationals, their families, and all the talk about it for even really the last year for us. Just the excitement is growing. 
uh, towards the tournament, but also with that, they come some, you know, internal stresses of, of performance. And when you have a few losses, like we've had the last couple of weeks, um, you know, you start to doubt yourself in those things of how we'll perform there. And so I think that stresses at them a little bit, but we've just reminded them that this is supposed to be fun. Like mm-hmm. basketball is just a game and we're supposed to enjoy the playing of it and, and uh, being with each other. And it's the reason we pick team sport. And so, just enjoy those experiences and know that everyone that's coming to watch is just there with love in their heart and wanting them to do well. And so just play your hearts out and you know, good things will happen for them. It's funny how it can creep into a player's mind, no matter how, uh, what sport you're in, how old you are, how much experience you have, just the little things that creep in. And uh, it's yeah. up to the players, up to coaches to, to find a way to, to get that out of there. You know, that's, that's the main key to be, to be a winner, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Two weeks ago, we have a huge road win and then, uh, you know, come back from a big deficit and come back to win on the road. And then the next night we lose and you would have thought the world collapsed on us. So mm-hmm. that, that confidence is, uh, you know, ebbs and flows every day. It's just our job as a staff to remind them of how good they are and what we see and how they train and and uh, just to try to find ways to help them through those, those lows and, and not to get too high when we play well and not to get too low when things go poorly. Scott Edwards, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So you've got uh, two games uh, this weekend uh, on home court at the Savile Centre with the Thompson Rivers. Uh, Thompson Rivers uh, below the pack, I guess you would say, in Canada West. But what are you expecting uh, tonight and tomorrow from from your team? Yeah, well, they, they haven't won a heck of a lot of games, but they're very athletic. And, and they it's a young team, so they're just growing new coaches. People from Edmonton will know well, and Todd Wardick used to coach at Nate and. He'll do a good job there. He's finding the right athletes for his program and and the style of play. And, and they're just a young crew. They, they'll play very, very hard. They will give us a, a tough test this weekend just be, because of their performance and how, how hard they want to play for each other and for him. And, um, you know, we've got to come out after three losses in a row. We've got mm-hmm. to start figuring out our own our own stuff too. So lots of challenges ahead for us this weekend. When's the last time, Scott, you saw the level of play, how good these teams, how good the women's teams are in Canada West? Because there's a handful of teams that can uh, can just be the best team in, on any given uh, night on the court. Yeah, that's a great point. I, we probably have six teams right now that could legitimately say they're going to playoffs in a couple weeks, believing they're going to win that tournament and, and make it back here for nationals. And we're one of those six mm-hmm. for sure. And there's a couple of others even that are, on the fringe and could make a deep run in that playoff. And and so it's been a while though. It's probably been four or five years that we've seen like this depth. We've had a nice three to four team run over the last, you know, half decade or more, but uh, it's been a bit. When I first started, I would say that the national rankings were peppered with Canada West schools and we were always six or seven teams deep. And it's, it's been a while since we've had that, but it, it makes it more fun. And even though we've lost a few games, I mean, we're only losing the teams that are also ranked with us. So it's, yeah. it's pretty 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 deep this year uh how was your the two game set with regina last weekend well it was good basketball we just didn't hit shots and, that, mm-hmm. and that's you know our game is and you we, we've defended them very well they're they're a really good team they're playing their best basketball right now and, and unfortunately we came out on the wrong side both nights but i, I felt like we got better on the saturday we, we didn't shoot the ball very well on the friday but better performance saturday and and just didn't get the win Scott Edwards, our guest on uh, Sports 1440. So in that Canada West Conference, I mean, Saskatchewan hasn't lost yet. Uh, th- th- I mean, is that by far, are, are the Huskies the best team? Is UBC up there? Or like, wh- How would you kind of yeah. say, what, what, you know, as far as the teams? Yeah, go? 
I would say Saskatchewan has definitely played the best basketball all year. Um, they, they are undefeated. They're undefeated on the entirety of the season. They've played a difficult schedule, and and kudos to them. They they've been playing great basketball all season. And but I, you know, with the depth of this conference, there's there's no easy game. They're going to play Regina this weekend, and there's a good chance that they uh, they're split and you know pick up a loss potentially before playoffs. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone gets them down the stretch. There's a lot of good teams in our league, but they're definitely playing the best. Mm-hmm. You, like you mentioned, UBC's played some great basketball, and uh, so has the University of Calgary. And so, um, yeah, as we get towards heading down to Abbotsford for the um, for the Canwest playoffs and at Fraser Valley University, um, it, it's going to be anyone's tournament. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, how does it work, I guess, for nationals? How many teams beside mm-hmm. yourselves come out of Canada West? Uh, two teams out of Canada West will come. There'll be two teams out of Ontario. One team out of the Quebec League and one team out of the Atlantic Canada, and then there's a wild card, and so mm-hmm. there's there's a possibility that Can West actually has four teams here, which would be great for our tournament and hosting. If uh, the more local teams that are in the tournament, maybe some of their fans come up and fill those stands as well, it would be nice to see. Uh, who are some of the players, Scott, that you're kind of hoping to lean on here mm-hmm. in the next uh, few weeks? Yeah, I, I mean, we have a couple of seniors finishing their their careers up tonight, and Shayma Cusker and, and Jenna Harp, and certainly need their leadership and and experience down the stretch here to show up, and you know, just their ability to kind of handle adversity that we've had the last few games, and, and uh, looking forward to watching them uh, show some maturity this weekend and, and play their best basketball down the stretch. And Claire Signatovich, our national, or the reigning national defensive player of the year, uh, has played some great basketball lately, and, and we're going to lean on her for sure coming down the stretch and. Really, we're, we're a team that's going to need uh, com- contributions from a lot of people to, to make a deep run at that national championship, and we're capable of it. We'll look forward to see if they pull it off. Pandas basketball head coach Scott Edwards, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So, Scott, as a coaching staff and as a team, how do you map out and mark the next, I guess, five weeks with the end of the regular season, Canada West playoffs, and then the fact that you know that you're going to be here for nationals. So uh, mm-hmm. what's the process yeah. and kind of game plan for you? The, the biggest thing for us was how we were handling our strength and conditioning and a you know, great job by our strength coach. We had mapped out a, a number of different areas of the year where we wanted to kind of make big pushes on the season in terms of our cardio and just making sure we were in our best shape before, before March came. And, and we, we made a big push in early December for about a six week period to, kind of crank, crank up our fitness and get ready for this last stretch. And so that was a big part of it. Other than that area, we really just tried to map out and try to keep our kids um, like, just kind of centered, right? Like mm-hmm. just make sure that every night matters, but it doesn't have to be the end of everything every single night and just try to keep your eye on the prize. Of we're, we've got to be built, playing our best basketball five weeks from now. We don't have to be playing it in mid-January. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, it's all about peaking at the right time for you. Yeah, and you know we did have a bit of a roadmap in last season. I thought we did play our best basketball, and most of that team's back, so they know what it looks, sounds, and felt like to go on that run. Um, got a big upset at Saskatchewan in the early part of the playoffs, and, and then kind of take that through to a, mm-hmm. a national bronze medal, and so then winning our first conference championship. So it, you know they're capable of it, and it's just a matter if they can stay the course and keep. Our job is really just remind them to stay calm and and, and enjoy the experience, and they're ready for it. What kind of style or, or style of play would you say that your team, uh, you know, tries mm-hmm. to, to put on the court every night? Well, we're a, we're a long athletic team for sure, and you know, so we're I think we're a very good defensive team. We we pressure up the floor pretty much the whole game, and and we try to put a lot of um, stress on the opponent to to make plays around us, and 
uh, offensively, we try to play at a, at a good pace and, and mm-hmm. use that size that we have inside. And we've got some great shooters on the perimeter that can get the ball kicked out to them and, and hit some shots. We just got to, um, you know, to stay playing with each other. Like I said earlier, they they're a group that needs to to play the unit, and um, that's when we're at our best. So last week in Regina, kind of just a one-off when you just, as you said, weren't making the shots. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. I, I'd like to say that to you. We'll see what happens. Mm. <laughs> How's support been for you, for you, Scott? Again, you know, you're trying to, uh, you know, you want to have a packed barn for nationals, but just leading up, how what kind of support have the Pandas had this year? Ah, uh, this last weekend versus Regina was just fantastic. I think we had probably 1,500, 1,800 oh, people great. out for the Saturday night game. It felt like you know, all of our athletes are saying this felt like a, a good lead up to what nationals is going to feel like in that in that arena and. um you know, it was just fun to see that many young players out watching, screaming their heads off. They didn't care if we won or lost. They were just cheering on the pandas and and the bears. And um, you know, that was a lot of fun. And I think throughout throughout the entirety of this season, going back to the fall and to opening weekend with Saskatchewan, that um, we've had some great crowds this year. So I think there's a, a good excitement around hosting this year. Well, really appreciate your time, Scott. Thanks for uh, hopping on today, and good luck uh, tonight and tomorrow. Tip off tonight is six. Yes, six o'clock tonight. And then tomorrow. At 5 p.m. 5 p.m. So good luck against uh, uh, Thompson Rivers and uh, good luck with the rest of the, the way. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you before and during Nationals. Uh, all the best uh, till then. Thanks, yeah. Scott. Thanks very much. Appreciate having me on. That's uh, Scott Edwards, Pandas basketball head coach and our game of the day. How about games of the days tonight and tomorrow down at the Savile Center? Beautiful facility. If you've never had a chance to watch a game, uh, either basketball or volleyball at the Savile Centre, one of the top facilities in the country. Uh, game of the Day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people. And you can check them out at stalbertdodge.com. In case you missed it. So, lots of stuff happening around the NHL. What do we got? We got the announcement of the best on best, uh, the four countries making it official, Canada, U.S., Sweden, Finland in 2025. We've got the announcement, Canada, uh, among many countries that will take part in the Olympics for 2026, as far as the NHL and the NHLPA are concerned. And we've got the firing of Todd McClellan in Los Angeles. Assistant coach Jim Hiller takes over from Pierre Lebrun on uh, the old Twister. That makes it now 13 NHL head coaches that have been fired. Changes since the end of last season. Last season. Like that's almost half the league. The New York Rangers, Calgary, Anaheim, Washington, Nashville, Columbus twice. Edmonton, St. Louis, Ottawa, Minnesota, New York Islanders, and now the LA Kings. You think about like almost half of the NHL since last season. Since the end of this NFL offseason, which was is like it's not we're not even over yet, one quarter of the league had That's a insane. vacant head coaching position. I Eight mean, of thirty-two teams. What do we what what have we come to here? It's like if you go on a bad patch, no matter what, no matter how what your hockey acumen is, you're gone. People, it's it's a it's a tale as old as time, an expression as old as time that uh, yep. being a coach is a job you you get hired to be fired. But it is more true now than ever. Like a team like the Steelers now, they've had like three head coaches virtually in the entire history of the team. Yeah. Chuck, <laughs> least, Chuck Noll. Chuck Noll. Um, Bill Cower. Cower, and now, of course, Tomlin. You look at that compared to like the Houston Texans. They look like they've got their guy now with the Ryans. <laughs> but two straight years relieved a head coach after one season. 
David Culley, and then Lovey Smith. So you're going to tell me if the Tampa and Tampa Bay didn't have a great start, they, but Vasilevsky's out. You know, he was out, you know, yeah. at the start. So yeah. they didn't have a great start. And John Cooper's not a good coach. That's like, if, if, and maybe this is an organizational thing. And, but yeah. I mean, like, the Kings have been a pretty rock solid organization uh, since probably, I would say, the late 2000s, like, start of the 2010s, as they kind of turned into this, um, you know, competitive team winning their first two cups. And they have a couple different management groups in since then. But, like, the Lightning are a team mm-hmm. of. They, they haven't really fired anybody. Iserman left of his own accord. Yeah. Breezebaugh taken over is pretty much carried on business as usual. And John Cooper, Milan I, I think, is the longest tenured head coach in the, NH, in the NHL. I th- well, yeah, I think I think so he'd too. have to be, right? Like, almost I, half of them had fired in one year. It's crazy. Um, Jordan texts in, imagine if the Kings hire Woody. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, top of the hour, we'll, uh, we'll check in with uh, Larry Murphy. It's going to be a good chat. Hockey Hall of Famer Larry Murphy uh, in the 10 o'clock hour. Also, Cody Jansen from the uh, Saskatchewan Rush. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Brought to you by the Snow Valley Ski Club. All runs and lifts are open, ready for family fun. Seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke.